You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I just want to let you know again that we're hiring a design director here at Glitch. You know, as a company, we're growing every day, and we're really looking for a design director to not only help build a team of talented designers, but also to help deliver a unified experience to our audience of consumers, curators, and creatives. So if that sounds like you, if that sounds like something that's right up your alley, then check out the show notes for a link to the job listening, or head over to glitch.com forward slash careers and apply today. Now for this week's interview, we're talking with Isaac Hayes. No, not not that Isaac Hayes. The Isaac Hayes I'm talking with for this week is a former product designer at Facebook in Seattle and is also a budding entrepreneur about to embark on a new adventure. But we'll talk more about that later. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, my name is Isaac, Isaac Hayes. I am a former product designer at Facebook, uh, working most recently on their Confetti app, which was a game, a live trivia game show. Uh, before that, I was working on the ads team, helping marketers and advertisers to set up uh, their ad campaigns. And then prior to that, I've done a lot of work in enterprise design, uh, creating design systems, as well as uh, patterns for uploading data. Um, really interesting stuff. <laughs> uh, but I worked at Salesforce, uh, um, SugarSync, um, Getty Images, and a couple other companies. And now I am focusing more on um, my own business, so consulting, um, doing some work on apps, and just just uh, trying to lead my future on my own. So what was behind your decision to leave Facebook and strike it on your own? Good question. I think, you know, I just reached 40. I've been doing design work uh, since, you know, since college. And so, yeah, probably almost 20 years of design work. And, you know, it's the industry's changed. I've definitely changed a lot. I started as an artist uh, who transitioned to doing web design and graphic design and just had this vision of I was going to change the world with my design work and helping my clients uh, to to get their vision to the world and just very excited about that Mm -hmm. to now where I've helped a lot of uh, clients and people out and I kind of want to work on my own ideas definitely feel that you know the longer I was in that world I could see patterns starting to kind of come about you know a different title a different label but kind of the same thing and I want to try something different. And in terms of trying something different, aside from this sort of change in employment, you're also doing a change in location. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, my wife and I, we've been married. Uh, we got actually married in college. And one of the things that we always committed to was that we wanted to live uh, abroad at some point in our lives. Uh, we have two kids, uh, one and four at the moment. And we're, we're, you know, we're at an age where lear- learning language is going to come really easy to them. So my wife has a minor in Chinese. We kind of put it out, out there, you know, to the world, you know, like whoever got an opportunity in another country first, that was a really good opportunity for our family. Uh, with, 
that would be kind of where we went. And it, it just so happened my wife got a really great opportunity in Shenzhen, China, uh, working with a, a pretty cool school over there. And it's really great because I have a business partner um, who will be living in Hong Kong that we'll, we'll do a lot of collaboration with from there. So, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. We were we were thinking maybe Thailand, uh, Singapore or Japan. Um, and then this opportunity came up in February and we were like, huh, we hadn't actually considered China. We definitely had what the news tells us about China kind of in our head mm-hmm. had to really do a lot of research to feel comfortable, but we're really excited about the opportunity. So why? I mean, of course, like you mentioned, your wife got that opportunity there. Certainly, I think what we hear about in the news from the American perspective is very kind of anti, like anti-China for the most part. Setting up a new business there, like in a country where one, you're not part of the dominant culture, but then two, you're also not necessarily speaking the language. How are you preparing yourself for that? I won't actually be having my business in China. Okay. So uh, I actually plan to be doing uh, more business in the Philippines, Hong Kong, and kind of in the, within the region. Mm-hmm. But that's a really great uh, location for flying to some of the different areas that I want to go to. But in terms of the language, like I, I definitely plan to, and I have been uh, taking language lessons. I'll, I'll be the only person that will probably have the most difficult time learning Chinese because my wife minored in it and my kids should pick it up pretty quickly mm-hmm. and we've already been teaching them. But I'll be taking, uh, I'll, I'll have a tutor that I'll use and I really do plan to immerse myself. And I think like living here, especially uh, being in the Bay Area and Seattle, I'm I'm pretty familiar with not being part of the dominant culture. So I feel like it'll be a a different spin on that because it'll be the language different. But I'm actually excited about being different, but actually because, you know, because I'm from somewhere different. Nice. Well, I definitely wish you luck. That's a big, big shift, especially, you know, bringing your family there with you. Like it's not just you having to deal with kind of this new environment. It's you've got other people that you have to take care of as well. So that's a really big move. Yeah, I'm actually, I think it's in some ways it's going to be a lot easier because I'm going there with my family. Like we, we have like our own culture as a family that we get to, that I get to bring over there with me. And then I, you know, we get to come home and have meals together and talk about how everything's going. So I feel like it would be a little, a little bit more intimidating if it was just me on my own. Mm-hmm. But I guess that probably depends on the person. So let's switch gears a little bit because I want to hear about this journey from. I guess, start to Shenzhen, <laughs> essentially. Um, where did you where did you grow up? I grew up in Union City, California. So uh, uh, right in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, it's a little suburb most people have never heard of unless they've taken BART past it. Mm. What was it like there? It was back in the 80s. It was the, the melting pot. This, my school was very diverse. Like We had people from all over the world. I was able to go to like a, we had a gate art program, which is basically like, you know, they have um, advanced math and advanced science, but I got to do an advanced art program. So I got to do sculpture and graphic design way before high school mm-hmm. and to really like just focus on doing the things that I love. I, I just, I feel really, I had a really blessed childhood in terms of school. It was quiet. It was the suburbs. Um, so, you know, you just hang out with your friends and then you dream about living in a city one day when you were older. Okay. You had that kind of early exposure, it sounds like, to design and everything. Were Was your family supportive of this when you started kind of wanting to go into design? 
my father was like, oh, you're going to do art? Uh, he had no idea what that was. So he would, he would always say, you know, you should consider being a teacher in case that doesn't work out. <laughs> and my mother, <laughs> yeah, so he was funny. Um, and then my mother, she was just like, you know, do what you're passionate about. You're a great drawer. Yeah, just keep it up. Um, so she was definitely like, you know, follow your dreams. And my dad was like, yeah, follow your dreams, but, you know, be reasonable, have a fallback. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like that spark then came pretty early and you had that support, which was really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, when most people were kids, it seems like people were like, oh, I wanted to be a fireman or a doctor. I ha I didn't really want to be anything like that. I just knew I loved to draw. Mm -hmm. That was the thing I liked to do. I wanted to just be in my room drawing or playing by myself uh, quietly. And then... Then when I heard about the programs and I learned there was actually careers in art, I was like, oh, this is great. I don't know what I would have done otherwise. Hmm. So you went to Western Washington University after you graduated from high school. Is that right? Yeah. Um, actually, no, I went to San Jose State for a few years. Okay. Uh, I was actually majoring in illustration. So I was, I was between graphic design and illustration. I didn't necessarily like the graphic design program at San Jose State as much. But I did like the illustration program a lot. Um, but then they ended up canceling the illustration uh, program while I was there. It was this big transition between like computers are evil to like, oh, we should actually use them for people's careers. Mm -hmm. So as part of that long story, I ended up transferring to Western because they had a smaller program that was more catered on the individual, which was mm. just perfect for me. So what was your time like there? At Western? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was... Um, you know, it's, it's right up there next to Canada, so it was easier to go to Canada if you wanted to go out, you know, to a, a club or something like that. It was definitely, I'm not going to say it was culture shock, um, but it was definitely less diverse than, you know, California. And and so, you know, I'd meet people and they're like, I'm from a, a city that's, you know, 2,000 people. You're the first black person I've ever met and I really want to talk to you. <laughs> and I'd say like... Uh, most of the people were really, you know, it's it's a liberal arts school, so people were friendly. It, um, it just sometimes would be a lot of excitement, <laughs> like, hey, tell me more about being black, and I might be tired sometimes. Yeah, I know that feeling. I mean, I've been certainly in situations where I've been one of few black people or sometimes the only black person, and there is this kind of weird, almost, I don't know, anthropological sort of environment that ends up happening where you're expected to kind of speak for all black people or they want to they want to touch your hair or they want you know, like just all kind of like weird stuff like that yeah um outside of that though do you feel like uh western really kind of like prepared you for going out there in the working world as a designer yeah i i i love the program uh when i've had the opportunity to hire designers i definitely reach out to the graduates from there and I've, I've hired like two of them so far. I haven't hired that many people in my career, but <laughs> um, I just, I really value j just being there where it, it is a bit more remote. Um, the focus we had, the professors there, they treated each of us like we were, you know, I'm not gonna say almost like they're children, so if it gets a little bit weird, but they definitely f treated us like family. Uh, definitely, they instilled values like hard work and like, you know, we did do all-nighters um, by, you know, not by force, but like, hey, you know, you've got a deadline. And so the students, we might go to the computer lab at the time and, you know, work together on a project together because we were just a, a, a team. Mm -hmm. And so it just the 
energy there was really positive, really connected. And then the the focus on graphic design and craft and the fact that we had a we had printmaking classes. Um, we did a field trip together to go see design programs. I just it was the best thing that I could have done for my career. And I definitely what I've noticed about other people that went to my school is I know their work ethic. I know that, you know, you know, you, when you apply for a job, it'll say like, oh, we're looking for somebody that knows this tool or has done this thing. And at my school, it's like, OK, if I don't know that, I can figure that out. And I know that when I meet somebody from there, they kind of have that same ethic where they'll figure it out and they'll work hard to do that. I want to hear more about your early career because you started out as a UX designer, you know, at a time when UX design, I don't think was as, um, I guess, heavily sought after as it is right now, certainly not as I think prevalent as it is in the industry, thanks to boot camps like General Assembly, et cetera. Tell me about kind of what your early UX design career was like. Yeah. So I, I, I told you I started as a graphic designer and then I, but I'd also done a web design. My first job was a, as a graphic designer and I did a lot of consulting um, through an agency called Filter Talent. I think they've since changed their name, but they're based here out of Seattle, which is where I started my design career. And I had an opportunity to go to Microsoft on contract as a product designer. Um, they were, before it was UX, it was product designer already there. And then we did a weird transition and transitioned back. But um, so I had an opportunity to go to Microsoft as a product designer uh, working on um, Office Live, which was uh, basically like a, a cloud version of Office templates and that sort of a thing. And I, you know, I, I did ads. I updated uh, little screens here and there. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just I mean, I, I knew I was doing design work. Um, but they were more like digital screens. And that was the first time that I got to meet a user researcher and learn about this process. Um, before that, you know, I would design something. I would show my manager or the company's owner and they'd say, I don't like blue. I don't like that font. And I might try to say, well, I think this is important because of this and that. But ultimately, you know, it was me against them, depending on how much trust they had in me uh, on who won. But when I met when I went to Microsoft and I had I got to work with a researcher and I, I could say, OK, I had this version. We tested this version and, you know, 80 percent of the participants like this. And so we're going to go with it. And for me, that was like, wow, it's it's really mapping like the left side and right side of the brain of this logic that goes with you, know, you do this thing that's create creation and you're creating it for people. But who's to say that it's right or wrong? And there was research to kind of prove that, hey, this works for a lot of people. And for me, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do graphic design anymore. I really want to focus on something where I can validate what I'm doing and I can prove that I'm doing the right thing. Um, and that was really, really important to me at the time. Um, so after that contract, I think that contract lasted six to nine months or something like that. I applied for an actual UX design job at a small startup and I met a mentor his name is Wa Tai, and he's like, I can't hire you on full time, but I can see that you're still early in your career, and I want to be your mentor. Um, what do you think? Hmm. And I definitely learned in my at my program, like, no matter what, you know, especially early in your career, it's more important to get that information and have really good mentors. So I was like, yes, because I'd been looking for a mentor. Mm -hmm. You can't say I'm looking for a mentor when I'm applying for a job. Because then I wouldn't get the jobs if I said I wanted a mentor. They they felt like that was a lack of confidence or something like that. So when he said that, I was like, this person actually cares about me, uh, cares about my career. 
I will definitely work for this person. Mm. And I was, I don't know how long I was there, but he really did teach me, you know, everything that he knew. We did, we created logos together for the startup we were working at. We created pitch deck, different screens, sign-up sheets, just everything. And he actually connected me to his circle and I ended up uh, finding a full-time job after that. And I just, yeah, he, the, the values, I guess that from him, you know, I've used to then start uh, mentoring as well to help people to get into their career because that was a pivotal point in my career. You know, I, I was already doing well in design, yeah. but to make that transition and to feel confident and honestly to trust that there were actually people uh, in the workforce that cared about me as a person instead of me as a number was super important at that point in my life and still important now. Um, but that was probably the first time I really felt that somebody in the workforce valued me as a person. I think it's interesting that he sought you out as a mentee at a time when you were also looking for a mentor. Oftentimes, I think it's sort of, well, I don't think it's a bi-directional relationship. It seems like there are people, certainly folks that listen to this show, that are looking for mentors and don't know where to find them. But it's rare that I find people that are looking to mentor someone. So I, I, it's really interesting that that was such a pivotal point kind of in your early career like that. That is actually, yeah, quite interesting because yeah, when you look for a mentor, it is difficult. Yeah, I I think the only thing I can think of was um, by virtue of the amount, the budget that he had for mm-hmm. that role. I think it, it was like, you know, if, if he could find an intern or something like that, that he could trust, uh, that would be helpful. Um, but yeah, it was, that was just really good timing for both of us. What groups do you work with for mentoring? I've mostly worked with like individuals that I met at events. Um, so like, for instance, I, I think you asked earlier about the Seattle scene. So I, I've gone to, uh, there's a black designers in Seattle group that recently started. And I've gone to a couple meetings there. And I met, um, I think I met two people who I've been, been mentoring since then. And that's, so that was, yeah, just one-on-one meeting. Because it's great to know like, okay, um, we had a great conversation, you know, at, at this coffee shop or at this um, pub or something like that. Um, prior to those people, I met a, people at conferences or I've had friends that have said, hey, can you help out this friend? So word of mouth. I haven't necessarily met anybody who just cold called or outright emailed me. I have met about two mentors or mentees where I was working at a job and we weren't able to hire them. But I just thought, this person is really amazing. I want to stay in contact. So I reached out to them. I said, you know, is this, you know, is this appropriate? Um, If you have any questions, uh, let me know this and kind of reached out through LinkedIn and kind of just kept the conversation up there. Like, you know, we set goals together, uh, check-ins to see how they delivered on those goals. So it's kind of random, um, but I, I definitely try to have probably about two or three people I'm talking to a month. So we have a lot of listeners that are either like looking for a mentor or they want to, you know, mentor someone like I'm pretty sure we have some people that fall into either of those categories. What advice would you give for people that are in either of those situations? Um, For the people looking to get to find a mentor, I think really kind of having that connection is really helpful. So like if if you're at a conference or a meetup or something like that, you know, going and talking to two or three people there and seeing like, hey, like me and this person actually had a really good connection and asking like, hey, um, do you mind if I email you later? And kind of I'd love to talk about this more. And then just following through on that. Hey, Isaac, great to meet you at XYZ conference. I loved what you had to say about this specific thing. Um, 
are are you open to questions about this thing? And, and probably being specific, I think that's one thing I always hear people that are mentors saying they'd like the person that's looking for mentoring to have specific questions so that they're not having to do too much digging, especially if they have limited time. Mm-hmm. For the people looking to mentor, I definitely think when you go to conferences and you go to events, I think there is definitely a higher number of newer designers. So I actually think for the people looking to mentor, I think it's a lot easier. I think if they're willing to just go say hello to somebody and then I, I think it just, it comes about, you're talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm trying to break into this company or I'm really interested in VR. And then you you all have a really good conversation about that. And then, yeah, I guess I'm so used to the, the mentee kind of trying to instigate further contact. Um, but I think, you know, I would probably just say something like, hey, like it's been great talking to you you know, if you have any other questions, please, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn or here's my uh, business email address. Please let me know if you have any questions. I would definitely try to keep it very professional and work related. So there's no uh, confusion about yeah. motivations. And I think it probably also helps too, like you said, if that person is more motivated, if they have like specific questions, because I know oftentimes I will get people that will just come to me asking about advice and things. And they'll always say something like, oh, you know, can I can I just pick your brain? Can I just bend your ear? And usually the answer is no, because if you have something specific, I can help you with that. But like, if you just want to, I don't know, just like chit chat, like it it helps if you have a specific ask in mind of what you're looking for. So that way the person who you want to mentor, you can sort of use their resources towards that. You know, this isn't like, I don't know, the the movie all about Eve comes to mind. Like, you know, like you don't want to mm-hmm. try to like worm your way in and that sort of way, like have a specific like goal in mind that you're trying to achieve with doing this. So agreed. Yeah. I, I, I really like if they have like a specific question or they're like, Hey, can we go over my portfolio? And I said, okay, I can give you 30 minutes and we can kind of do a portfolio walkthrough. Right. It's something really specific that we can kind of time box. So you mentioned earlier being at Salesforce, which is a very large company out there in the, well, in the Bay Area, you're in Seattle, but out in the Bay Area, it's a really big company. Um, what did you learn from your time there? I learned a lot there. That was, I think, to date, the my favorite job. When I started there, I, I joined um, because I had an interview um, from Dreamforce. Mm-hmm. So Dreamforce is like this really large conference that Salesforce uh, has every year. Um, to connect with their customers. And so I had a friend that was working at Salesforce at the time, uh, Jamie, Jamie No, And she was like, hey, I really want you to meet my boss. Um, he's awesome. And I really think you like Salesforce. And at the time, I didn't know what Salesforce was. So she, so they were like, hey, just come meet us over here at this event. And just to see how this company was trying to connect with with its customers was amazing. I definitely worked at places in the past where um people would make fun of the customers, like they're idiots, you know, da, 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 but we have to make this thing for them. And so this company was saying, we, we value our customers, we're gonna do this thing, and we're gonna do this thing huge so that they can know that we really value them. Of course, it was great marketing, but at the same time, it still was a it was an event about the customers, and I just thought that was amazing. And so from there, like uh, reading about Benioff and just some of the fun, and interesting. I'm using like really kind words. He was he was very bold, um, but some of the tactics he used uh, to get into the business and to make Salesforce what it is today 
it it's just so bold and like hilarious reading reading his book to learn about that. Mm-hmm. And from there, I just I learned a lot about sales, uh, marketing, of course. Um, how how do I talk uh, when I'm leading a presentation? What are people looking to hear from me? How do I put together a presentation deck or a presentation video to sell my idea? I also really learned about philanthropy and how you can give back to the community while still having a job. Um, how you can still make profit but care about the world. Like that company really matches my values. And so I think the biggest things that I learned there, I mean, I, I think the mapping to the world was super important and caring about customers was super important. Also, just the the team camaraderie that we had there, it was just amazing. So I, I had a, a great time there. I ended up leaving because I wanted to try the startup life. I That's why I came back to California to do startups. So it was sad when I needed to leave, mm. but I, <laughs> I had a vision. I thought startups were going to be magic, you know, and I left Salesforce. <laughs> but I left at a good time. So let's talk about your, your role in 2014 at RealCrowd. At RealCrowd, you were their director of user experience. Was this a big change from your previous kind of senior UX roles? It was, yeah. It was, I mean, at first it was just me and then I needed to hire a team. I needed to manage my own time. I couldn't rely on a PM or somebody to say, well, actually try this instead. I needed to say like, okay, um, Monday through Wednesday, I'm going to focus on doing the UX work, but on Tuesday or Thursday and Friday, I need to focus on branding. I have my contractor coming in on Friday, so I need to make sure I have a schedule ready for them so that they know what they do on Friday. I have to do interviewing on this date. So it, it really made me like tighten up what I was doing and really kind of own what I was doing. And that was really amazing. Also, it was really nice because, I mean, at first we did not have a PM. So I, I got to act as PM and work directly with the developers in a way that was different than when I do that at a, a larger company. I would say like, hey, you know, I think we need to do this. And they would say, OK, well, what, why? Okay, you know, and, and we would we would just work together as a team instead of needing like a PM to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just it was really good. And then I got to hire um, Jesse Zachary as a our intern, and then uh, onto on full time. And he also went to Western with me, or not with me, but he also went to Western. So it was it was a really good job um, for definitely uh, validating that what I learned. You know, kind of like proving myself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. What made the role challenging? I think the biggest things, to be honest, were that uh, my wife and I got pregnant at that time, and I had not obviously had a baby at that point, and I hadn't considered insurance when I joined that job, uh, when I left my large company. And so that caused me to reevaluate whether or not a startup was the best thing at that point in my life. But in terms of the day-to-day, like it was a really great job. Um, We had really good energy. Um, I really love the size of like 10 people, 20 people. That's a really good size company for me uh, just because you have that one-on-one contact with everybody. People are on the same mission. And even if they're not, you can talk daily and kind of keep it in. At, at least we're on the same page today and then we can check in tomorrow and see what's tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, like that sounds crazy. I, I The issues we had were just issues that startups have like, what is our mission? What's our vision? And the fact that we have multiple founders, are they agreeing on the same direction? But other than that, I, I think it was a it was a really good job for me. Nice. And then, of course, from there, you 
went to Facebook. And like you mentioned at the top of the show, you worked on Confetti, which is his video game. You worked on the Facebook video team, et cetera. Um, and now you're off to do your own thing, which is which is great. Yeah, I had a little uh, little turn in between the real crowd and Facebook where I, I did go to a couple of other startups. One, which was really great, Sugar Sync, which got acquired. And then I went on to one more. Um, but yeah, and then Facebook's been great for the last three years. Yeah. Nice. So what is the Seattle design scene like for you now? I mean, you know, having at first kind of started out in the Bay and then moving up north, what is the scene like? It's a lot larger now obviously with the population increase um, and Amazon blowing up like it did. So it's, it's a lot, I think it's a lot more connected now than it was in the past for me. Um, I think it's, it's also really nice because yeah, when I was, when I was here back in the two thousands, there weren't that many, I guess, younger designers that I was bumping into. They were, they were mostly, you know, they had been at Microsoft or Expedia for a while and they were more of the mentoring age, at least in compared to me, mm-hmm. versus now there's a lot more younger designers here in Seattle, a lot more energy, uh, really looking to network, uh, build their portfolio to make connections. So I, I think it's a, a lot more vibrant of a scene and it's still growing. So I, I actually think it's a really good place now. Do you do any work with the local AIGA chapter up there? I did in the past, mm-hmm. back when I was here before. I have not since I returned. I, I returned just a year ago, and I knew that I was going to be leaving, so I haven't really committed to, too much to the Seattle area within the last year. Yeah, I want to make it back up there. I've the first, well, first and only time that I was up there was in 2002. I did a internship interview with Microsoft, and I remember really liking it. Like, I liked the city. I, you know, got to see the Space Needle and. Went to Pike Place Market. I was like, oh, this is nice. But I never got to like experience the city. I mean, I was, I don't know, maybe 20 at the time. And all I could think about was just like trying to ace the, you know, the internship interview, which I didn't. But I do want to try to still make it back to Seattle and kind of see what it is. One of my favorite YouTube video companies is based out of Seattle uh, called Cut. I've been talking with AIGA Seattle's DNI person for a while. So like I'm I'm curious to kind of just see what the scene is like there. I've also talked with um oh god, do you know Todd Bennings? No, but I will Does the name sound familiar? Todd Bennings, uh Seth Stell. They do this uh they they have this um I want to say it's weekly or monthly at this point. They have this group called Here Seattle. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're about to move to China, but I mean it's worth at least kind of looking into um Here Seattle is like this monthly sort of meetup that sort of fosters like DNI and tech and design. Um, and it's four people that put them on Seth, Todd, I forget who the other two are. I remember Todd because Todd used to be here in Atlanta, but now he's in Seattle. Uh, but it's worth checking out. Just it's H E R E Seattle. Uh, might be worth, you know, okay. just, just popping in, just seeing what it's about. Cause I know that they also do like mentorship opportunities and stuff too. They're often at different, like, big places around the city like they might be doing something at amazon or doing something at microsoft i think the year that i spoke to seth which was i think 2016 or something they were doing something like out on a yacht i was like y'all are balling like (laughs) take that model and like do here new york here atlanta here wherever but no yeah you might want to check that out 
Oh yeah, I'll definitely look into it. I'm definitely this is a place that I'll always return to. Nice. As well as the Bay Area. So what is it that motivates you now these days? I mean, you're at this this really this crossroads in your career. You've certainly had the stability and the success of working in the tech industry, working at well-known companies, most notably Facebook. And now you're gonna be in a totally different country doing something totally different with your career. Like what what is it that motivates you? to make these kinds of leaps like that? I think I try to stay young at heart. And I think for me, that means being able to try new things. And so when I do feel like I'm stuck or things are stagnant, I do try to try something different. It doesn't have to be a a new country every single time. I think that's going (laughs) to get tiresome. (laughs) You know, I think once we're done with the China tour and maybe, you know, probably spend four years out there, I think we're going to figure out a place we want to be here until the kids graduate from high school. I want to make change in this world. What does that mean? Is, you know, you know, is is that creating an app? Is that um, uh, creating more jobs? Is that mentoring people? I do do know that the thing that always motivates me is helping people. And I know that I can do that with design work. I know that I can do that with uh, marketing work um, that I've been doing, helping people to kind of figure out their Facebook page and, and run different ads for their small local business so that they can grow. Um, Also helping them to figure out a business plan, also now I've been doing some like funding, helping people to raise money for their for their startups and that sort of thing. All of those things help me to get like different pockets that I believe in in a better place. And so I, I think the thing I'm focused on now is really helping entrepreneurs of color and women to be successful, helping people in general to just be their better selves. I'm trying to define over the next probably three months, what I mean by that and kind of, you know, see if there's like a, is my consulting mostly focused on um, helping people's businesses or am I actually focusing on a business that is, you know, like a, an app for creators or something like that on just keep it really general. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that everything that I've done has been so that I can help people to better, better themselves. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Um, who or what are some of your influences? Yeah. So I was thinking, I, I'm definitely a di- direct relationship type of a person. Mm-hmm. So definitely Wa Tai, my mentor that I told you about. Um, you know, uh, I know you interviewed Tori Hargo uh, recently. Or yeah. Not exactly a while back. But, you know, we got to work together at Facebook and he's awesome. And, and he is a stand-up person that, like, directly, you know, I, I, I needed help. And um, he came and gave me some really great advice about like, it was a, you know, probably a simple topic for him. But I was like, I don't know how to do this thing. And he just really walked me through took his time. And so he was he's really awesome. And I have a I have a few like design managers that I've worked with that I really feel that way. Like if, if uh, my manager was treated me that way, then I stayed with them a long time. If they did not, then I did not. But outside of, you know, outside of people that I worked with directly, I look for inspiration. You know, like I really like what Bill Gates has been doing with the humanitarian things and like like finding a, a mosquito that can't have more mosquito babies so that we can lower malaria. Like just really thinking of things in a different way. I go on Twitter and I, I follow like I look to more business leaders than design leaders. I Erica Hall is somebody I've been looking into lately because she's been really uh, talking about things that I think are important in the world. I'm less focused on people that are talking solely about craft. So, but I can't think of like a specific person that I'm like, oh, this person is the best. Um, 
definitely have an upbringing uh, in the church. Um, so I definitely have like a kind of probably a, a really focused right and wrong in, in terms of like helping people and that being the right thing to do. When you look back at your career, what do you wish you would have known when you first started? Man, I, yeah, I definitely wish I would have known how to find a mentor faster and how to have that conversation. I wish I had known how to speak to people more. I've ne- I've always been more, you know, I told you I like to draw in the room by myself, which meant I didn't do a lot of socializing with other kids. Yeah. So that, that's always been something that I've worked on as an adult, and I've definitely gotten a lot better with it. But I, I still, I enjoy alone time, definitely one-on-one conversations over group conversations. So I definitely... I wish I, there was a class I took at uh, Salesforce, which was like a presentations class and really just how to talk and that sort of thing. I, I wish I had had something like that when I was younger to gain more confidence and not even necessarily confidence, but to be more comfortable talking with other people and to understand um, how to talk to them in a way that gets my point across and, and that really looks into what they're interested in. You know, like, so, oh, you know, Maurice is interested in XYZ topic. Why, why don't I talk about that for a little bit? And then, you know, and then maybe segue into this thing or see if there's an overlap. I think I was definitely very pointed, you know, I want to talk about this thing. Oh, I'm not going to talk about that because they're talking, they're talking about something else. I'm not going to go talk to them. I was, I was very rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've gotten a lot more flexible and, and definitely just understanding how to make sure that a conversation is two ways. And that I guess, I guess it's a, they say a win-win in sales or something like that, that it is a win-win, but not artificially, but really it's, hey, like, do I care about that person? Do I want that person to care about me? Then why wouldn't I show an attempt to care about that person as well? Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in the next five years or so? Obviously, we're, we're going to China, as you, as you know, but I want to travel. So we, we're going to travel all over that region. I want to go to Ghana. I want. I, I just want to see the world and I want to kind of take some limits off that I've, I think I've had growing up just being in one area because I was, I was in the Bay Area until I was 20. So I, I want to travel. I definitely, I see myself continuing to mentor people, mentor businesses most likely, um, having a team of my own again, probably having another uh, creative agency at some point, whether that's as part of a company that I run or if it's just kind of having like a, an agency on, on its own, right? And But, you know, the focus um, with the kids, my kids, the age they are, is I see myself being a good father, uh, being a good husband, which is always something you have to continue to assess uh, to make a relationship work is that you're connected to them. And really trying to figure out a way to instill in my children the things that I believe in while they're still young. I think that's probably the primary focus of this age time period, which is also another reason for um, going to another country. Okay. So now given everything that we've talked about, you know, with, with your consulting and things that you plan on doing, what does success look like for you now? If I think about the things I'm most proud of, like one of them was mentoring somebody and getting them from a career path that they were not happy with at all to a, a they're now working at a, a startup that they're really happy about and they have some really great opportunities. So I'm trying to figure out how do I turn that into <laughs> what I want to do next? Cause I, that made me really proud. I really enjoy seeing other people happy or, and not just happy. Cause that, you know, that can be frivolous and that's fun as well, but I actually mean like seeing other people get to a place they did not know that they could get to. 
um, with that achievement that 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 really brings me joy outside of that like you know i really love finance so that's one of the reasons i went to real crowd it was working on real estate investing i think if i can figure out man i don't i don't i don't know that's going to bring me joy but i know that i'm interested in uh things related to finance honestly maurice that's kind of why i'm taking this little break to figure out what that is i think if i if i knew the answer if i knew the answer was I'd be so happy if I created the next, you know, mint.com or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then I would be doing that. Well, just to kind of wrap things up here, Isaac, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? So I am definitely active on Twitter. Well, semi-active on Twitter. So at Isaac Hayes, um, Isaac spelled with the K. They can also find me on Instagram. I think it's also Isaac Hayes there and um, also on LinkedIn. All right. Sounds good. Well, Isaac Hayes, I want to thank you just so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you really for kind of sharing your journey. You know, most people that we have on the show, we talk about kind of where they're at right now in their job and like what a typical day is. And I think you're the first person that we've talked to that is not in that position. Like you have gotten out and now you're at this crossroads. And I think that's a really interesting thing for our audience to hear, you know, sometimes with the way that career trajectories go, depending on what city you're in or what industry you're in. Um, it can be hard to kind of see what the end point is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can often even sometimes get lost within that, trying to discover what that is. And sometimes you have to step away. Sometimes you have to step away and that's what the next goal is or that's what the next thing is. And so I certainly wish you well out there in China. I mean, that's such a, a huge opportunity. I can't wait to hear what you're going to come up with while you're out there in terms of working and consulting. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Thoughts of love are in your mind. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Isaac Hayes and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Isaac and his work through the links in the show notes at glitch.com forward slash revision path. Revision Path is a Glitch Media Network podcast and is produced by Maurice Cherry and edited by Brittany Brown. Our intro voiceover is by Music Mandre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. We're also powered by Simplecast, the easiest way for podcasters to publish and distribute audio on the internet. Make sure you check the show notes for a link to sign up for a 14-day free trial. And if you liked this episode, then please let more people know about it by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes about a minute or so to do, but it really helps spread the word about Revision Path everywhere. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your favorite shows. And make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Just search for Revision Path. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.